Welcome to the Future Food Citizenship Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm Sinead. Join us in conversations with the changemakers shaping a new, fairer food system. In today's episode, we spoke to Liam from Moyle Abbey Farm in Kildare about his journey into growing, the benefits of farmers' markets, and how we can work together with farmers to be more sustainable. Enjoy the episode. Yeah, so I started off because uh, I like food a lot. And I found growing up, uh, I was interested in food, I think. And um, I was interested in gardening, but I, I didn't. I grew up on a small dairy farm and I was interested in gardening, but my parents uh, weren't so into gardening. And uh, so we did it a little bit, but they used to do it out of necessity uh, once upon a time. But then as time went on uh, and I was growing up, they did it less and less. Um, because it was easier to buy locally and my father liked animals a lot and my parents in general I think my father really concentrated on animals and gardening just wasn't his favorite thing and on top of that we grew up in uh, uh, the, the land wasn't really good for growing vegetables so it was very hard uh, it, it's hilly land and there was uh, old gardens there for a long time and you could grow some things but it was harder and yeah Where was it? Was it uh, about here? Uh, no, Tipperary, oh, okay. North, North Tipperary. Okay. Yeah, so it's really up the mountains. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's hilly land and boggy land. And uh, yeah, and it's extensive farming. It's, uh, you know, it, it's uh, a severely disadvantaged area. It's classified as, and uh, yeah, so not great for growing vegetables. And uh, I did try lots of things there. My father was very supportive, actually, because I used to come home. Uh, I was working in London. I used to come home and plant trees and things. <laughs> and he was very <laughs> uh, you know he worked with me on it. He did. <laughs> yeah he didn't go against the, you know anyway you know I'd be just doing little bits here and there it was no big deal I suppose and uh, but yeah he worked very hard with me on it and that kind of thing you know because just planting trees by hand and that kind of thing and so that was nice and uh, and then we you know we had rhubarb there and things of like that and and you know growing cabbages and things of like that but th that kind of died out a little bit as I grew on Yes, I was working many years in London and I, I kind of liked London because um, it was different from where I grew up. But uh, I, I did miss, uh, I was always a bit nostalgic about the landscape and, and all that, like a lot of people are. And uh, and I started doing a little bit more gardening uh, things, little courses and things like that. And then uh, uh, the house we lived in, the, before, especially before I went back, went, uh, went garden training kind of thing. So the, the house we lived in there too had a back garden. And it was possible to, you know, experiment there a bit. And then doing courses and doing permaculture course and things like that. And just trying to link up with that. And um, yeah, so I got, got into gardening bit by bit. And then I realized, God, I'm really interested in gardening. Um, yeah, and it was a long route around that. I'm, I'm raving maybe even just to tell you. Yeah, like I, I did, uh, uh, I, I was very interested in film uh, and uh, But uh, uh, I did film, uh, I, 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 I tried to study film, so I studied, I did a media course, which you could concentrate on video and film as part of the pathway through it. And I quite enjoyed that course because it, it gave me a lot of time for self-development and things like that. And um, 
but I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really connect with it either. I did a bit of work experience in, uh, in television stations, and I could see it wasn't for me, you know. And there was other things happening, you know, nicer local things and community groups. But I, I didn't really find my way in that. Even though I like film a lot, and I, I, there was certain films I thought were very nice because I thought they gave a nice connection with life and, um, you know, overview of life and philosophy and, uh, you know, doing things nice and learning about you know, uh, life and things <laughs> like that. So I was really trying to connect with something and uh, yeah, it didn't really seem very nice. So uh, I, I just went working after that uh, in, uh, in jobs, setting up audiovisual equipment. And then, uh, uh, but during that then I really started doing more courses. All my free time after a while used to be, you know, going off somewhere or go off foraging course or something like that. And, yeah, and, you know, because I found I knew very, very little and really trying to, uh, educate myself and really connect connect with things like that, and then I uh, I uh, I eventually then uh, did an apprenticeship in England, um, so I gave up my job, which is uh, you know was kind of handy. It's always the tricky part, isn't it? I think for most people, you make a change because you've got a nice regular income and you got everything kind of lined up. It's maybe not so wonderful, but it's you know it's nice and you're able to keep going and you're able to pay bills and things like that. So I decided uh, we were married as well. We had no kids though, but we were married in England. So I decided to, you know, we tried to decide together, I suppose, that uh, um, to work both our things. And I, I went and did an apprenticeship in, um, in, or in biodynamic farming. It was just what was available. I, I was interested as well in biodynamic and it was what was available in England at that time. And I did a two-year course in that, and that was really good because um, there was a lot of animal farming in that as well, which wasn't really what I was focusing on, but uh, I, I kind of enjoyed getting back into farming. Um, I kind of grew up in it a little bit and kind of had lost a bit of connection with it, and then just learning more about, uh, you know, even just animals and names and things like that. Mm. So I was a bit disconnected with it all and felt a bit stupid, and that was kind of a nice place to do it in. Uh, you know, and feel a bit more connected with farming and land again. And then they grew field scale vegetables there. So uh, that was quite good. And uh, so I was involved in that a good bit. And then uh, the last six months I did in a walled garden. Um, and that was really good because it was a lot of small crops and which what I was mostly interested in doing. And uh, so after that, then I came back to Ireland and uh, I worked for a year on uh, uh, in the Wicklow town convent where they have an organic farm. And then I did landscaping maybe for a year, and then we uh, worked towards um, buying the land here. Uh, so we just bought two fields here. There were two empty fields uh, of grass. Well, there were two fields of grass, and so it was nice. It was good land, and it was an ideal place to start. And uh, it seemed a good location as well in terms of trying to sell. It wasn't far from Dublin. Not that I necessarily needed to sell in Dublin, but we were just thinking that way, and it suited Yuki. My wife was working in Dublin that time as well. Um, and um, so when was that? Uh, so that uh, uh, we came back to Ireland in two thousand, and then we um, started. Um, to, we we bought the land here in the end of uh, two thousand and three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you've been growing since. Yeah. So two thousand four, we grew the first small things, and then since two thousand and eight, I've been doing uh, full time. So two thousand and eight, you kind of. Jump into growing it full time from 2008. So you're 10 years? Yeah, t- 10 years, yeah. And then uh, at that time, too, so before that, we started to, we're, we're doing a market since 2005. Um, okay. 
uh, yeah, uh, we did a Thai farmer's market. We joined with other people setting up a Thai farmer's market. That didn't really survive the recession. Um, and then uh, I tried to start another one in, in Newbridge. It's a, you know, a sideline thing again. And uh, we got that going, but it, it was 2008 that started. And um, uh, it, it, it lasted a year, but it, it started off okay, but it didn't... Uh, didn't get going, didn't survive. And I got him to join Carlo in 2009, September 2009. And that was good because um, uh, that was a market already up and running. And there was it was one of the vegetable stalls that was there uh, decided to leave. And so that was great for me. I, I went in straight away with quite a good number of customers. And it's since then, it's been building ever since. So it's been getting busier uh, ever since. That's complaint. Yeah, nine years ago now. Wow. It's just yeah. o- just over nine years I started there. So then you mentioned that you have tried to start markets in other places. Yeah. Just out of interest, what do you think was the kind of reason they didn't succeed, say, as well as, as the Carlo market has been doing? Yes, yeah, so everyone has their own guess, I suppose, why things work mm-hmm. and why things don't. It's always hard to know exactly why things work and why things don't work. I mean, uh, I think Carlo works very well because... Uh, of the producers there's a very good uh, um, range of producers there and, and the people who started it off they kind of stuck with it so the, uh, and they they really did uh, kind of exceptional products I suppose so there's a, a very good cheese maker there and uh, you know it's very distinctive what she's doing and she has a wide range in from other cheese stalls as well and then there's a, a very good organic meat stall who has a wide range of, of meat uh, uh, and it's all organic it's quite unusual so and they're all within that area and they were all very committed to carlo you know they're they're from that area and very connected there's um malone's fruit farms were there at the beginning as well they're all uh, very committed local people and very committed to direct selling and things like that so i i think it does with markets i think it does start with the producers and they came together and did their own work really they had you know help from different organizations and individuals but you know they, they put it together themselves and um and it's still being run by the uh, the stall holders so i think that's uh, one good thing about carlo and then you know the, the number two two thing i i think that's number one really yeah. number two i think is location to you know sure, yeah. yeah and people will vary about what's good on location because different locations can work for different reasons that's interesting. What I like about it is that it's kind of that authenticity. It's the fact that there are local people with their own produce. Yeah. That's kind of what people are connecting with, I suppose. Yeah. And and they're also bringing in uh, other people's local produce mm-hmm. and then uh, supplementing with other things. Um, so the cheese stall, for example, uh, would have, um, you know, her own. Uh, she has sheep. She, she milks sheep and, and goats. Um, she's bringing in... Um, cow's milk from uh, a local farmer and she's producing cheese out of that and then she's selling a wide range of other Irish cheeses and in European cheeses as well and so you know it's, people are buying up yeah well, so it's yeah. that combination and, and I'm in the same position basically so I, I'm um, I used to grow a lot a wide range of things but I do about 22 vegetable crops now and some fruit crops so uh, and then I buy the rest from um, that's in the round of the year it's about 22 vegetable crops 
and then I'm buying in from maybe six or seven other uh, organic growers. And that takes a good bit of time and effort, but it means you, you get a really wide range of produce. And I mean, people, um, you know, don't want you to grow everything. It's no reason. Sometimes people try to grow too many things and... Yeah, the more networks and things of like that that we can get together over the years. I mean, I, I'm you know people do it informally or in other ways, but that that helps uh, then providing a very good service to people, and uh, and then there's a wide range of people involved in that. Um, you know, and if you can get that near your home, that's that's good. I'm lucky here because there's quite a number of organic growers not that far from me, mm. and so I'm able to link into that to get a really wide range, and then. So that's my own and Irish organic. So I'm trying to get the widest range and the best quality I can in that Irish organic. Uh, and a lot of them are, uh, you know, small to medium growers and they're producing very good quality uh, because of that, really. Very fresh and very, you know, very nice produce. And then I, I'm supplementing that with um, produce from Europe. So I, I get imported as well. Again, people will like that. So I've made that decision. I mean, people will decide different things. I, I made a decision long time ago not to sell stuff outside Europe. Uh, we basically sell our own stuff and we buy from as wide a range of Irish producers as we can, Irish organic producers, to give us a good range um, because it's very hard to do everything yourself. So it's good to link in with other growers to provide nice selection. And then we also uh, sell uh, European imports. Um, so things like avocados when they're in season, oranges. And uh, so we try not to buy outside Europe. The exception would be uh, ginger and turmeric. It's just something that people like a lot. But we try to minimize otherwise. So when the oranges are out of season, so we get Italian oranges. Um, we don't do them or avocados avocados the same and we feel that oh, I felt that was better but it's you know it's a personal choice with people I felt that was better because uh, I know more about European produce and the legislation and the working conditions and things like that and uh, yeah and also I, 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 I didn't like originally as well starting out I used to see a lot of photographs of uh, you know farmers markets and there'd be bananas in it or something like that you know Irish farmers markets and often those things stood out because they're quite colourful and people, you know, photographers liked them and things. And I always thought, you know, it's sending out the wrong message, uh, really. But, uh, you know, that's just my personal uh, opinion and something I, I thought was ni nicer uh, to do. I think you've, well, it's good because you've got, as you said, you're more aware of kind of the European standards and the European seasons and kind of yeah. things like that. Whereas sometimes the further we go for it. Yeah the less kind of we can be aware of what's happening along that supply chain. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely understand that point. And it's probably convenient for me, but I, I do see ourselves as kind of Euro European. And uh, that's the way I see it. And uh, I think most people are happy with that compromise. Mm. I mean, some people, uh, you know, and obviously you can come to us or someone else and decide to just buy uh, local stuff. We try to label our products uh, clearly so you can do that if you want and try to and talk to us and try to eat seasonally uh, i mean many people would aspire to that and you know you, you can try to increase that uh, amount but very few people will decide in my experience uh, at the farmer's market to do that um, you know because they would like an orange or uh, avocado or things like that and there's also some things that are not so maybe not so exotic but uh, quite hard to grow here like uh, peppers red peppers um, aubergines and uh, 
this year now, like one of the growers I get, he had very good uh, aubergine because the summer was very, very good. Um, but we don't get summers like that. If we got summers like that, uh, peppers and aubergines. So tomatoes work very well in our climate, cucumbers, you know, for a certain length of time. And then uh, out of season, it needs heating. And very few of the small, medium scale Irish organic growers are, are heating their tunnels. And it, it is a question, which is the best? Both are using a lot of fuel. Uh, to heat or or to transport um so it's uh, these things are always a question what's the best thing to do but i mean our aim is, is to try and bring as much uh local uh, um you know organic good quality produce as possible to as many people as possible and try and increase all that and then we're looking all the time to try and extend the season or try different crops um, but we're really trying to do the basic things well uh, and doing the things that work well in our climate and trying to do them well and make them available and hopefully more and more people doing that will have a nice uh, positive impact in the future yeah you mentioned season Sarah how do you think do you think people um struggle to eat seasonally are we unaware of our seasons or what is in season yeah I think the market is very good for that so when you sell at a farmer's market uh and because of the decisions we make as well, uh, uh, we, we try to promote that through Facebook and through, you know, just talking to people at the market and other customers talking to each other. So uh, at the market, it's more clear. So, for example, we sell strawberries. It's just decisions we've made again. So the strawberries are we just do outside strawberries from one planting of a good few different varieties. And that's June. It starts in June, usually, depending on the weather, early June, usually. And last till middle of uh, July, there's possibilities to extend that, but that's what we we, we do. And the, the, the people kind of know the outside strawberries from us start in June, and they look forward to them. And then we do other things. We try to do the things too that are kind of nice and a bit more un, unusual, I suppose, in terms of being available. So we have sweet corn at the moment. This year we started sweet corn, so it's, we're selling really corn on the cob. We started that. Uh, this year, probably uh, middle of August, which would be unusual. It was just about the middle of August, maybe a bit before. And that's because of the good weather and we were able to irrigate our crops to keep it going with, with the dry weather. And uh, usually it's maybe the end of August or beginning of September. And so people are looking forward to that. They're often asking us about uh, sweet corn. Sweet corn is quite popular with us. And uh, we'd only sell that sweet corn. We've made that decision really because uh, some things like that that are more unusual. If we imported a sweet corn, uh, it would be old, um, quite a few days old. And sweet corn is really very important to have really fresh if you want to eat. So you might as well eat the really good one and and forget <laughs> about the mediocre. I mean, other things are a bit different, like carrots and things yeah. like that. You know, I don't know. But uh, some, some things we make that decision on. So people hopefully enjoy that. And we sell a lot of sweet corn. Then people don't get confused either about the, when we have it available and when it's ours and when it's not ours. Could get confused. Mm. So people know it's quite good at uh, this time of the year. And uh, we sell a lot of it, I think, as a result of that. And obviously people can freeze them as well if they want. There's options like that uh, if they really want. And that's uh, we do the same then with a few crops. So we do peas and pods. Peas and pods, uh, you know, quite labour intensive to pick and all that. But mm. the idea with the peas and pods that we sell too is people eat them raw. So it's a, ni a nice raw food. 
and um, majority of people are eating them as a snack raw and uh, a lot of kids in fact it's an, an interesting thing a lot of kids are asking their parents to buy peas <laughs> it's quite common uh, yeah, it's very nice, yeah. yeah it is very nice yeah because uh, and there are two crops that kids like a lot sweet corn and uh, peas once they get used to peas are probably number one i think peas are even above strawberries you might think kids like strawberries more of that but it's amazing with uh, not all kids like peas but a lot of kids wants to get taste peas and they find it fun yeah. especially if they start young opening them and everything and you know it's all a bit of fun it's the connection with them um you mentioned there the dry weather have you this year we've obviously had uh, an extended winter yeah and um, we've had the beast in the east and we've had the droughts so there's kind of we're in a year of no denying this climate change yeah at the farm level um where are the impacts have there been impacts from that kind of weather changes on your farm here yeah so the biggest thing this year with the weather impacts uh, on our farm is to with uh, just extra work in irrigation i suppose um i mean you know the, the dry weather uh, the early weather the cold weather that we got that uh did create you know we lost some crops in that or you know they were certainly reduced a lot um because it came very late and at an unusual time and then before that it was very wet so it's very hard to till uh, uh, and all that very hard to plow and till what we do and then um, the really dry weather uh, it was extra work uh, with uh, irrigation and things like that and trying to keep crops crops going so it puts you under a lot of extra pressure along the normal work but there is a good side to it in the sense that you know, things that were watered uh, did very well and we probably have the best tomato crop we ever had this year you know and you know quantity and quality mm-hmm. taste you know definitely you know it does help um good, good with the bad yeah and then we we grow a small you know a medium-sized amount of pumpkins they, they were they, they have been you know probably exceptionally good too because they like uh, that extra heat and i think sweet corn has been good and uh um we peas have been very good we're able to water them so we've had really probably the best yields ever of peas and things like that you know things we watered so there's always a positive with everything i mean the good thing with uh, having a wide range of crops is the kind of risk is uh, spread out and um, yeah and so we're working all the time to try and um, even things out and look at you know you're learn we're learning all the time everyone's learning we're learning all the time and every year we're kind of layering on more information and trying to fine tune also in trying to make it uh, uh, easier for um, ourselves you know to get more return for the work we do and things like that because yeah. in the in the early years of starting off there's a huge amount of learning even if you've done uh, you have experience and you've done growing uh, other places uh it's um there's a huge amount of learning and i I would say like we started in 2005 and uh i started with a lot of faith in believing that people uh you know have to eat and you know i I just thought you have to you know i thought there must be enough people interested in good food and things like that so i just thought you have to make a living on it you know it was just based on that belief that Mm -hmm. it must be possible to make a living on it Mm -hmm. um and uh, and then uh, the early years, it's uh, it's not really making um, uh, much income. It's just surviving for me anyway. And I think with more, you know, more information is coming out all the time. I think uh, it is possible to do it faster uh, and all the time. 
and not to spend so much uh, time and years just learning uh, and relearning problems. But there is also the issue that pe sometimes people like to learn the hard way. It's kind of funny thing. I, I think I'm a bit like that. Like sometimes people would say to me that, you know, uh, I'd get advice from people who would have a pretty good knowledge from different experiences of different crops, you know, recommend doing this way or that way. And, you know, m most of the time they're right, <laughs> to be honest. But occasionally you find something uh, new um, that, um, you know, isn't uh, so well established. And, you know, that's life, isn't it? And there's, there's a great uh, pleasure out of that too, you know, finding a good way of doing, doing things. Um, yeah. And some, yeah. And are you experimenting with different varieties as well, or maybe you're introducing heirloom varieties on, on, on your farm here? Yeah, so uh, we we don't do a lot really with heirloom varieties. Uh, so um, basically, what what we do with uh, the crops we grow, uh, if uh, if they grow well with open pollinated uh, seed, uh, we uh, we go with that. So carrots that we grow are in, in, you know majority are open pollinated, or peas or most of the salad leaves. Um, and then some things uh, we just find, uh, you know, with experience, we've tried a lot of different things over the years that uh, hybrids work better. So that would be the sweet corn is a good example. I tried a lot of other sweet corns. We're a bit marginal uh, climate for sweet corn, um, you know, but, you know, the varieties I, I use now, which I think we're really bred for English kind of climate, you know, similar to ours, um, uh, they work well. And you know, there's other crops, Brussels sprouts. Um, it doesn't. Uh, there isn't really a, um, a open pollinated variety that gives you, um, you know, those even round Brussels sprouts. The, so it's it's quite a different product, and that's what's happened. I mean, people were used to di you know different products uh, previously in terms of taste and look, and um, you know that's kind of been lost a little bit. Uh, but uh, you know some things um, it's possible to go back on maybe and, and try and re-promote them and, and some things it's not yeah people I think we're, we're used to carrots being orange and that's it you know and when they come in different colours they mm. don't really know what to do with them and same with yeah. tomatoes someone gave me a black tomato this year I've never seen a, one of those kind of real blackish mm. <laughs> tomatoes you know and you're instantly yeah. Yeah. one part of me is like ooh the yeah. other part's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know? So, yeah, we have lost that connection. We're very kind of, that's what a carrot looks like. That's what a sweet corn looks like. So it's hard to work with. And I think most cultures are, yeah. uh, most cultures are kind of set in their ways with uh, different food. Even uh, f uh, cultures that are very foody mm. are often quite set. Uh, you know, for example, my wife is Japanese and, and it's quite foody culture, but uh, they're very particular about apples. And yeah. I would find apples very disappointing, but you, you could go to someone there uh, who would be, you know, doing more like what we're doing here, like uh, selling directors up and you would see them, they would be selling a wider range of things. So I suppose it's a bit yeah. like going to the big scale here. But, you know, they like a large, crisp apple. And, uh, you know, there's so much missing that, you know, yeah. um, but then many people have a choice of apple. They like this or that. I quite like a wide range, but that's probably because I grow them and I, out of necessity, I'm tasting lots of apples and I, I, I but I kind of like it you know soft apple one day and crisp apple another the day other, and, yeah. yeah and there's a huge difference in taste and all that and 
but you know when you're buying something you're kind of spending money and you're, you you don't want to go home and be disappointed but you know obviously at a market then it's possible to give lots of tastes and we try to do that to encourage and what you were saying, I, I think it's easier in a way to color tomatoes and that that's a bit easier. The, the thing at home is harder because like if you if you take in a, a Brussels sprout, that's all it, it's like those flower sprouts. That's what mm. the open pollinated mm. sprouts are like. They're like uh, flower sprouts and uh, they're, they're quite hard to sell. They're really hard to sell. Like the some things like even the colored um, carrots, you probably won't sell, like you say, probably big volumes of them either. The, co- the coloured uh, tomatoes have really taken off. You know, they're quite easy to sell now because they've got momentum behind them. People uh, get used to them as well. Another thing we've done a good bit of is uh, uh, green garlic. Um, so we have that in the spring. It's quite nice at low time. So we, we sell that like scallions. So when garlic is growing, just regular garlic is growing, uh, we put it into bunches, maybe four or five in a bunch. And they're like scallions. Mm. And uh, the green part is meant to be very good for you, you know, and that's something that's happened over the years. So people, we have a lot of regular customers, so people have got used to green garlic and now they're looking forward to it, um, you know, every year. I think in the conversation, what comes across a lot is you've a good direct relationship with a lot of your customers. And it seems that that direct relationship kind of helps facilitate trying different things with food as well they're a bit yeah. more adventurous and that's right. you mentioned at the market even your customers will speak among themselves kind of about yeah. how to use things and, and things like that where we don't have that in a supermarket yeah mm. yeah at the food farmers market uh, you're probably getting uh, you know much more uh, foodie or health orientated people who are really thinking about things so that is a very nice side of the market and they are more open than to trying out new things or uh, yeah and, uh, yeah looking for information and from other customers and from the stall so that's a real benefit of the farmer's market that direct connection yeah well I'm, I'm interested in then this how to get people actually to to be a bit more adventurous with, with food you said for example the Brussels sprouts are quite a, a difficult sell so how would you go about it like would people come and say okay what is it and then you would just explain or how, yeah. do you, how would you sell it to them yeah so uh, yeah i suppose some things then uh, you know it, it's a personal thing isn't it if mm-hmm. you like something yourself cooking it it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to uh, mm-hmm. to sell it so like a lot of people uh, aren't used to fresh sweet corn but we've been doing it for many years so you know uh, people have got used to it and uh, it's just telling people how nice it is. Uh, so a lot of things can have benefits. So the, the thing about sweet corn, for example, is it's very quick to cook. If it's fresh, it's, you're really warming it up. So it's kind of five minutes steaming it or something like that, five minutes. And then it, it's, uh, you can eat it on its own. Uh, so there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, garlic, for example, people weren't used to garlic, but garlic is an easy sell too because you don't have to peel it, the, the green garlic, and just chop it, and it's local. And a lot of people don't like garlic. Uh, sometimes that time of year, garlic can be coming in the supermarkets from very far away. So you're saying it's a local one this time of the year and that kind of thing. So, you know, certain things are, are a bit easier to sell than others or they have a lot of benefits. Or I suppose it's how you see how you see it. Um, I think it's your own passion. It's the fact mm. that you're, you've got a bit of passion there for the sweet corn. Yeah. But it's a lot easier when you're it talking is, to yeah. customers. You're like, 
trust me, you've got to try this because they yeah, do yeah. trust you, and that's yeah, that's and that then, direct relationship again, you know. They do, yeah, yeah, and then the other customers as well. Uh, you know, someone who's really tries to see they, they become really kind yeah. of uh, advocates. Advocates, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you get a lot of that. People really. Yeah, sometimes someone asks, how is the potatoes or something? And then another customer will, will uh, you know... Uh, pick up from it. Pick yeah. up from it and say, oh, they're, you know, they're gorgeous or something. Or, you know, and we try to be honest with people too. When things aren't great, you know, we try to be honest yeah. and tell them, you know, like we don't really have flowery potatoes at the moment or something like that. And then it's a choice. You know, they're a nice taste maybe, but they're somewhere in the middle. or You know, yeah. and some people don't want flowery potatoes. Or, you know, and we try to tell people, you know, this didn't work so well and whatever's wrong with it. We try to be honest with them, yes. So, and people still often buy anyway, and they just, you know, and then obviously we try to change the price or whatever, if something is uh, like this, and we just explain, uh, try to explain to people, you know. It's really this transparency that you don't get yeah. in a supermarket, mm. and that's really important, I think. And even because it's, it's in everyone's interest that you know it's better to be honest, and yeah. you get great reaction from that because uh, people like you know they're not used to getting that. You know, someone talking them out of getting something, you know, or a bit, or you know, saying, you know, just, <laughs> just explaining, and explaining why or something like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's a lot better, uh, better way, and then people, people will understand. I think, and a lot of people want to support, want to help you. They really, really want to support, like especially at the market, they've come there and they really, in their own way, different ways, they really want to be nice and they want to have a nice experience and you know and yeah i think what's um uh, people are buying from you <laughs> yeah that's what you know if they're they're going past the obviously probably when they first started coming to you is because you're an organic grower and they wanted organic food but people yeah. come to you now they come because they want to buy buy off yeah. Moy Lappy Farm and, and the relationship you've built over the years. Yeah, and then the, and they're also yeah they are all, all really connected with people. So uh, Louise works there every week, mm. uh, and uh, Jeremy's working on a Friday, and James, uh, local neighbour, is working on a Saturday. So they're you know everyone's connecting a bit with different people as well. Yeah. Uh, more uh, you know some people have closer relationships. You know you know they get on really well with someone else. Yeah. Or, yeah. And so everyone is, is part of the, you know, it's connecting everyone with everyone, really. Yeah. And then they can see everyone's doing their best and really making a good effort, uh, you know. And then the people doing it as well uh, are connected, you know, and have their own kind of thing they're into or, you know, their own cooking, way of cooking and, you know, and, and their own way of living and everything. So, yeah, the, 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 there's lots of connections going on there, yeah. And you have a chance to do that, uh you know whereas some shops you don't yeah. or you certainly wouldn't be talking about products or things anyway you'd be just maybe talking about the weather the nice. price or talking about the weather maybe or something <laughs> or just passing the time or something yeah, or yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah it gets a little bit more connected i suppose uh, yeah. and do people come back and give you feedback oh, from the food experience or yeah yeah i mean occasionally we get a really nice uh, 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 text or something yeah they're cooking and people you know send you know through facebook uh, you know louise is doing more with uh, sending pictures of what they cooked and things like that oh, you know really? or sure so some people um and yeah, but you know, we get an awful lot of feedback in the sense of people just talking to us at the market and saying it to other people and spreading the words and that kind yeah. of thing. And then we get a, 
yeah, I suppose people find it hard. Uh, it's kind of the Irish way as well. They find it hard to criticize as well. You know, they try to break it to you gently or something, or don't say anything. <laughs> but some people, it's, it, it, we, so we really have to work at trying to get, uh, you know, problems sometimes out of people. Yes, uh, so, you know, when something yeah. wasn't good or that, you know, and uh, we really try to do that, you know. Uh, and that's getting more difficult as well because doing more products for more people, it's quite hard to keep on top of everything. So uh, we try, and everyone working here too, uh, we eat together sometimes and things. So we try to keep on top of uh, the the food as well because it's part of what we do is trying to get the best for people and trying to advise people then how this is, how that is, you know. What's in good, kind of what's in good season and good taste at the minute. Yeah, or if there's a problem with something or not mm. and trying to know that and um, and trying to keep uh, people in, informed. So it's a big part of it and, you know, taking things home and cooking them and, um, yeah, and then being able to tell people. Yeah. yeah, so it's a big part of working here too as well. You know, everyone working here is taking home stuff uh, and cooking it and, you know, doing their own thing. And, yeah, so it's all feeding into, uh, you know, being aware of and being able to tell someone then if someone asks you something, you know, and then being able to say, I don't know or something, or I didn't try that. You know your or product as well. It's, like. it's better to say that to people as well, mm. you know, because just didn't get around to doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a living laboratory. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it is, yeah. And carrots then are a big thing as well. Like uh, carrots, the main problem with carrots is is, uh, is a bit like strawberries. Is the, the flavor is connected with the varieties an awful lot. And uh, carrots, uh, there's a very big variety called Nairobi, and uh, it's you know in Ireland anyway. You know, it's a big international uh, variety, but in Ireland it is probably the number one carrot grown. And it, it ticks all the boxes apart from taste uh, <laughs> in terms of a grower, you know. So it's high yielding and uh, it, it, it machine harvests well, it stores well and all that kind of thing. But the taste is particularly bad, yeah. uh, particularly poor. And a lot of people are unhappy with carrots. Like carrots would be one of the most popular things we sell. And then there, there is uh, carrots in the middle and there's carrots, you know, that have fabulous fa- flavour. Uh, and sometimes you have to... Uh, sacrifice a bit of uh, yield and something is a little bit less uh, economically um, you know less less economic return in it but then that's a question whether to make that uh, decision or not whether you're going to charge more for the carrots or on our scale here and uh, you know it, it makes sense for us to grow them we're selling them direct you know we're always trying to grow the tastiest or the best quality one we can, you know, because it's what we do. It's all about trying to be distinctive. And um, so, but if someone is wholesale and, you know, there's a big ar- argument, you should be growing the kind of Nairobi because you're not meeting the customers and they'll probably buy them anyway. They're buying them. Many people sometimes are just buying them mainly because they're organic, uh, you know, and they're just trying to buy organic because mm. they've made a decision. That's the good way to be. And, uh, so and and then the the grower makes a better living out of it and life is a bit easier and they could be doing the other one and nobody you know probably the end user would appreciate it but all the people in between wouldn't <laughs> they'd be just saying oh that's quite bindy <coughs> yeah <why isn't coughs> those carrots <laughs> yeah or that kind of, they're not packing very well they're yeah. not sitting very nice in the bag or you know <coughs> they they'd be just logistic things which uh, kind of annoy the people in in the middle because they're handling all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the end user doesn't really mind that much. They've been kind of trained to mind everything mm-hmm. kind of fits. You know, broccoli is the classic thing. Yeah. They can't sell big heads of broccoli and they can't sell small heads of broccoli. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, you know but the market is wonderful like that because it's all loose uh, uh, they're in crates and people can pick a big one and a small one and we buy from we don't grow broccoli ourselves we grow purpose rotten broccoli but we buy from growers so they're able to put in a mixed box and it's very good for them yeah. uh, it's a mixed box of broccoli and then there's a customer for everything you find at the end of the day uh, maybe at the end someone decides oh I'll take a few small or I'll take the big or we'd cut up a big one we could cut off florets or that you know if it's yeah. near the end or, and nobody has a choice anymore so that's the nice thing about the market too and having loose produce and, and the market works well like that too because the loose produce isn't there for days it's there just one day and, uh, and get it while it's good get it while it's good and then you have to take it home and look after it I suppose it's kind yeah. of sharing the responsibility but when you have a shop it can be tricky like that yeah yeah. It's often better having things more packaged because they start uh, deteriorating. Fast, uh, and you don't fast. know how long they're in there, and then it's the environment. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a lot of advantages to the farmers' market, I think, and selling direct like that, and 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 sharing the work in with people too, <coughs> yeah. with the customers. I mean, some of the things, <coughs> some of the things we do is um, sharing the work. Apple, for example, small spots that are uh, not really bad for anyone. Um. But, uh, you know, it's a shame to throw them away and it's trying to work with people and work with customers that, you know, it's better for the grower and it's really no harm for you just to take ones that have a little bit more marks on them, but they're not really bad. Uh, and, you know, there's some maybe thing to believe that they might even be better for you because they've had disease problems and uh, they've got over them. Uh, you know, they survived. <laughs> and, yeah. and Survival of the fittest. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a uh, uh, that's another thing that's coming across is there's um with that direct relationship and you know people being yeah. able to see that you know uh, broccoli is coming in different sizes and there's different types of carrots and the apples you are really avoiding food waste. Yeah. You know, globally a third of everything that we produce is wasted and, and yeah. particularly in developed nations and particularly in our context it's wasted. Yeah. Um at kind of at the house because yeah. people get it because it's on offer yeah. and then don't really know what to do with it where at least yeah. when it's fresh and direct from yourself it might not fit the ideal yeah. image of what you think a broccoli should be yeah. but you know it's a good one yeah, yeah. and then you can uh, also uh, the thing I like about markets too is uh, when you have a lot of something you can try and special it you can work on it and especially when it's your own thing at the market and the other people working there can uh, you know really uh, encourage people either by price or by saying it's really good quality and it's, it's a seasonal thing won't be around so long and so that's a really nice thing so it really helps uh, uh, minimize food waste and that mm. and then people are working with uh, with you you know they might buy cheaper and you know raspberry or something and freeze it um, you know and use it another time and, and kind of share the responsibility of uh, taking care of everything and yeah so we can make things a good price too maybe if something isn't so perfect looking but it tastes quite good and it's still in good condition uh you know um sweet corn at the moment maybe some of them you know they're not completely full so you can sell them you know um at a special offer together or whatever and then everybody is helping to minimize food waste mm -hmm. yeah cooperation between the, the customers and the farmers and all yeah. that. It's, it sounds really nice. So I, yeah, I like your I share, want to go sharing to, to Kana Market now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when 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 are you at the market? When, when are the 
Yes, so uh, on Friday we do 12 to 7 every Friday and then Saturday we do uh, 9 to 2 at Carlo Farmer's Market and then at home on a Friday. Perfect, so our listeners can come to Carlo's Market and meet you, yeah. yeah. Perfect, Ian, thank you very much. Sure, sure. Yeah, thank you very much, that's really interesting. One thing I'd like to say as well, maybe it is a good or something, is, uh, you know, uh, with the thing with people getting involved, I think that's really good if more and more people get involved you know, trying to grow things themselves and, uh, uh, you know, uh, going to a farmer's market is nice or buying direct if you can or buying local produce if you can and also trying to yeah grow grow uh, stuff for yourself. It's a great way to connect with, uh, food. with food, yeah, and, uh, uh, and health, healthy involved. life, yeah, and, and everything and, you know, nice... Uh, you know enjoyment of nature and you know and tasting things really fresh and picking them and eating them and you know all that kind of thing is really nice uh, thing to get involved in because it just helps everyone isn't it everyone gets a bit more connected if you have any opportunity to do that you know in a small way some people are doing it in window boxes small gardens you know or yeah. helping out on farms or something and so and do you actually helping out on farms is that something that you do here if someone wanted to well, we have that. Uh, you do the internship yeah. here and stuff like that. Yes, yeah, so the internship program in uh, organic horticulture is on every year, so mm. that's a good way if someone really wants to start growing and uh, selling produce. And uh, and then occasionally we have uh, someone coming here as a volunteer, um, uh, just just they they want to make a life change maybe, and they just uh, trying to get a bit more connected with uh, farming. And uh, so, I mean, that's a big part of woofing as well, uh, thing people are coming to have a different experience and maybe connect with nature and that kind of thing. So we have uh, people coming through uh, woofing um, and I think that works really well for both sides most of the time. It's quite a challenge for everyone, but it's a very, I don't know, very enriching experience, I think, for everyone at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, because it's different cultures, often they come from different countries different cultures connecting with each other and um, yeah and then sharing food and enjoying food that's it for now folks thanks a million for listening to those of you who produce food why not join the fair food movement get involved get in touch join us and if you're into fair food then become a supporting member or check out our patreon page to help us create more content like this until next time eat well choose fair